0: The opportunities for teaching though I think are paramount because when we visited uh, Santiago and we had the opportunity to engage with 12 really enthusiastic cleft surgeons and to give them the benefit of our experience, um, there's a pinball effect because they'll take that back to where they where they train and where they work and they'll influence the people around them and all of a sudden there's a scatter that occurs in a very, very profound way that uh, we're, we're really um, happy to take advantage of. So. It's a privileged position to be able to teach and uh, to influence, and it's something that uh, we should uh, certainly uh, continue to, uh, to uh, enhance.
1: You're listening to Caring for Cleft, an audio series that tells stories of comprehensive cleft care around the world. Preparing for Cleft is brought to you by the team at Transforming Faces. It is hosted by Executive Director Hugh Brewster.
2: Surgery is an obvious and critical component of cleft care. It's also a very difficult one. Cleft palate repair surgery ideally occurs with patients who are very young, and the surgeons who perform these procedures are operating inside a small and difficult-to-reach place, an infant's mouth. Training surgeons to be proficient with this procedure is thus a difficult task. My name is Hugh Brewster and I'm the Executive Director of Transforming Faces. In today's episode of Caring for Cleft I want to take you to two cleft treatment centers of excellence that have some of the best trained surgeons in the world. We'll begin in Transforming Faces very own backyard Toronto Sick Kids Hospital where Sick Kids has a world-renowned cleft lip and palate program. Here's one of their physicians.
0: Uh, my name is Chris Forrest. I'm a plastic surgeon at the Hospital for Sick Children and I specialize in craniofacial and cleft surgery. And I've uh, worked with Transforming Faces Worldwide now for uh, several years uh, and most recently this has taken the form of uh, helping Uh, teach cleft surgery using a high-fidelity cleft palate simulator and cleft lip simulator that we've been able to develop here at the
2: University of Toronto. A longtime friend of Transforming Faces, Dr. Forrest has trained and mentored cleft surgeons around the world and has been a key advocate for building up cleft teams in low- and middle-income countries. Cleft is something that we learn uh, as uh, resident trainees, and I would have to
0: admit that when I was training and I did my rotations at SickKids, that probably wasn't my big area of focus. I I really felt that I wanted to uh, do big surgery, I wanted to uh, uh, do uh, large reconstructive operations, and I felt that that was more in keeping with the adult world. And then like most trainees, you become a little bit more refined and sophisticated as you uh, go through your training period. And what impacted uh, on me about the importance of cleft surgery is that you do an operation on a young baby at a time when they really have no recollection or understanding of what's going on, and it's an operation which lasts them the next 126 years. Mm-hmm. And I think to me that's uh, a, a very privileged opportunity to be able to be part of. And that was really the, the impetus for me to be uh, 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 developing a, a career in pediatric plastic surgery. I've been working at SickKids since 1999. I've been the chief of the division there since 2003. So I feel very privileged and honored to be part of a cleft team that we have at SickKids. Uh, As one of the uh, few surgeons that do cleft surgery, uh, we have a great group of people that are passionate uh, about this. But what's more important is being able to take these skills and apply them to patients in low and middle income countries and also provide educational opportunities which is something that we've
2: done through the development of the high fidelity simulators. Our story begins with an idea that emerged from one of Dr. Forrest's surgical residents. My
3: name is Dale Podolsky. I am a fourth year plastic surgery resident at the University of Toronto. I'm currently in my, I guess my fourth clinical year but I was in the surgeon scientist training program, so I took a three year break after my second clinical year to do a, a PhD.
0: So, a few years ago, one of my trainees uh, in the plastic surgery uh, program, Dr. Dale Podolsky, uh, was interested in doing a PhD and doing some research.
3: I guess that's how I came to be here in some way, because my project was centered around cleft. Very interesting project. Um, before medical school, which I did at the University of Toronto, I did a a dual degree in mechanical engineering and physics, and then I always wanted to merge my technical background with medicine. I always had a, a love for engineering and, the technical sciences like physics, math, engineering, so I always um, had the goal of trying to merge that into, medicine. That's how I, you know, I came to this project, which was like the coolest thing ever, to build a robot to do cleft palate surgery.
0: He said to me, um, Dr. Forrest, do you think we could ever use robots in cleft palate surgery? And I, I kind of laughed at him at the time, but Dale is an engineer and, and he has a philosophy that every problem has a solution, which I've, I've learned from him and I really admire. And he very quickly came to terms with the fact that if we're going to use a robot on an infant, uh, that would be a real challenge because it would be experimental and it would probably be a little too risky. So he came up with the idea of, well, instead of using a baby infant, why don't we come up with a simulated cleft palate model that we could apply for robotic repair?
3: So when I started the project, it it actually took me about a year to define the problem because... um, Well, that's part of the discovery, right? When you're doing the research is to even just defining the problem can sometimes be difficult. And so I came to understand at the time being very, you know, early on in my understanding of cleft palate specifically and learning from the cleft surgeons at SickKids how challenging cleft palate repair can be from a technical standpoint and then why a robot in theory May be beneficial for cleft palate repair. And then to do that, the lab I was at, um, one of the processes they use is to build simulators to act as test beds to test new surgical instruments to perform specific surgical procedures. And in this case, it was a surgical, happened to be a surgical robot. So I started developing a model for a robot to do cleft palate surgery. There was no other pathway to find things to build an appropriate tool. Every day, I would come and I'd build a model on a computer, and then I would three D print it, and then I, I would spend all this time speaking to the you know Dr. Forrest, Dr. Wan, Dr. Fisher about the anatomy of the palate, and then I would try to get every intricacy of the muscles of the palate perfect, and then I would go back to the three D printer and I'd print. And I was just running like twenty. I was running the thing into the ground essentially, and then I came up with the the simulator, and then using the clinical expertise at SickKids to get it, get it to the
2: level that it was something, like, really valuable. What suddenly became clear is that Dale's pre-work for building a surgical robot was turning into an important technological innovation in and of itself. And so instead of really focusing on the development of a robotic approach to cleft surgery,
0: Dale spent three years and obtained his Ph.D. looking at the development of high-fidelity cleft palate and cleft lip simulators. Dale came up with the idea using high fidelity 3D printing, uh, anatomy based on CT scans, uh, special polymer and adhesive techniques, developing special types of silicone to recreate all of the muscle layers in a cleft palate. And he put it together in a very efficient package that is marketable, is relatively cheap uh, to make, and is
3: accessible to literally anybody around the world. It is a synthetic model that allows someone to perform a cleft palate, now a cleft lip as well, but the surgery from start to finish mm. in a physical environment using real surgical instruments. And the model has the components that allow you to perform most critical steps of the procedure. There are certain things it doesn't have, like it doesn't bleed, but it has dissection planes, and it has all the layerings that... It provides a pretty comprehensive experience in performing the operation, allowing a trainee or a surgeon to work through the steps independently, Um, and it's so critical for cleft palate specifically because that ability to manipulate instruments in that confined space, you know, you can't really replace that, and it's something that takes time. I mean, a, a lot of my research was in understanding how people train and how people learn and you know, the reality is, you know, for much less complex procedures, it takes hundreds of times to really become a master. So it's one thing to learn something in a textbook. It's one thing to watch a video, to use some kind of, uh, you know, virtual textbook or 3D modeling program. But it's another thing to sit, have someone sit down and give them all the tools necessary to perform a procedure or a simulated procedure and then just say, go. Mm-hmm. and then they have to independently think about, you know, what am going what step am I going to do now? Why am I doing it? What is the sequence of steps? That's when you really get to understand, do I actually know how to do this? You know, it's different when you just open a textbook, you're learning anatomy, you learn the steps, say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know how to do that. But then you actually put someone on their own in front of the simulator and say, okay, I want you to now do the prepare. That's when you really see, you know, what the level of understanding and ability is of someone, and that's the you know, in some ways, the best way to learn, because you gain so much personal insight on how, you know, where you need to focus your attention. I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated, right? It's not a simple process to learn a surgical procedure.
0: I, I think the biggest uh, challenge is that um, with children, with infants, you have one chance to do it right, and that sets the stage for subsequent procedures throughout their life. And if the playing field has been muddied or if the uh, anatomy has been compromised in a way, then that all of a sudden makes things harder for subsequent surgeries. And I would say that in sick kids, uh, we're very, very uh, hands-on in terms of having a high level of oversight to make sure that our trainees are really appropriate to be able to do some of the operations that we let them do. But the problems that, that we see almost weekly are children that come from other countries that may not have had the benefit of uh, having surgery that's either been done safely or by people with experience and so somebody who i just saw recently came to my clinic having had a bilateral cleft lip repaired their premaxilla was hypoplastic and likely not useful they had a large anterior palatal fistula and their lip scars were really quite uh, you know poor so having to do surgery to undo some of the effects of previous surgery is challenging not just for the surgeon but also for the patient having to go through it. And this is where I think that the opportunities for simulation may really uh, make an impact because obviously these are well-meaning surgeons who want to do the best they can do for these children and may not have had the opportunity for feedback. And now being able to do this and providing that feedback with an objective rating scale I think is something that we can help them with. We, we don't want to be pejorative. We don't want to be negative in terms of our approach to uh, children who've received cleft care, which hasn't been up to standard. But at the same
2: time, um, we also want to do what's best for the child. Next, let me introduce you to the medical director of Fundación Gantz in Santiago, Chile. My,
4: my name is Carlos Giuliano Villarreal. I am a medical doctor. Uh, I, I am the medical director of the Gans Foundation. I am a plastic surgeon and my specialty is Pediatric Plastic Surgeon. The the GANS Foundation, or in Spanish, Fundación GANS, is a non-profit institution with with more than 32 years of existence that attends patients' uh, career of cleft problem uh, uh, without uh, resource. Poor, poor people.
2: Fundación Gans is a center of excellence, a standalone cleft clinic with highly trained surgeons, speech therapists, dentists, orthodontists, psychologists, and so on. Cleft professionals in many other South American countries lack access to experienced cleft teams who can provide teaching and mentoring in specialized fields such as surgical palate repair.
4: We need in South America uh, to to uh, to have a uh, uh, train it professionals this is the, this is the problem now this is the the the, the reality in 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 some uh, country or in some poor places uh, we 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 can see complications for example fistula uh, uh, or non functional uh, palatal uh, repair with 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 bad with bad result in a, in a speech uh, development,
2: like his counterparts in Toronto, Dr. Giuliano recognizes what a complex and challenging procedure a cleft palate repair is.
4: This is a reality. This is a this is a, this is a, We know that in in, in many publications, in, in many papers the 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 experience the the training of the surgeon is very important in in the palatal result. The learning curve uh, is, 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 is long.
2: Earlier this year, a group of Central and South American surgeons visited Fundacion Gantz to hone their cleft palate repair skills using Dr. Podolsky's simulator. These participants had opportunities to practice palate repair surgery techniques and to get real-time feedback from leading surgeons at SickKids Hospital, Fundacion Gantz, and beyond. This was an absolutely wonderful
0: experience that uh, involved the use of live surgery, uh, demonstrating uh, the important aspects of doing a cleft palate repair, and then we did surgical simulation using the, the cleft simulator. So the 12 surgeons who have some experience who attended this from various countries in South America got the benefit of seeing experienced surgeons do cleft surgery, having the opportunity to ask for feedback as they were doing this and then take those things that they learned and apply them to a cleft simulator with a number of experienced surgeons walking around and then rating their uh their their, their results using a rating scale that dale developed called the close score um, that there's a certain objective score that you can achieve in order to become proficient with cleft palate surgery and we've also demonstrated that it takes about six experiences to start to reach the peak of that learning curve. So how often does it take to become good at something? Well, we now have objective evidence to say, if you're doing cleft palate surgery, probably six times to the point where you start to feel really comfortable. And 16 times by the point is the point at which you get really, really proficient at it. That's very important information that we can take to the field, apply to trainees in other uh, specialties, and apply to surgeons who are doing cleft surgery uh, uh, in children who really have challenges with access. I think the best thing was that at six o'clock on a Friday night, watching the 12 surgeons around their simulators, none of them wanting to leave. Uh, that to me was really crucial. They, they were enjoying the experience. None of them wanted to finish the day. They wanted to carry on doing what they were doing.
4: It was amazing, uh, Dr. Christopher Forrest, Dr. Ronald Zucker and Dr. David Fitcher from, from the SeedKid. Uh, uh, they were very nice teacher for, for the student and, and, and for us to interchange uh, experience. And, and, and we, um, we were uh, three teacher too. Uh, for, for the student, uh, it was a very good uh, experience.
2: A Peruvian surgeon who participated in this workshop shares what she found most helpful about the training.
1: My name is Veronica Cayet farfan um, I am a plastic surgeon. I have, um, I work in the Institute Nacional de Salud del Niño in Peru. Uh, I go for this this workshop because I uh, identify my in Peru the knowledge and expertise acquired in terms of palate surgery during residency is very limited the majority of the residents only observe the procedure very few residents will carry out one or two surgical procedures in the three years of residency confianza momento de the workshop gave the opportunity to receive in-depth anatomy knowledge, confidence when handling tissues, cutting, and handling the fear factor while practicing the procedure. Since the workshop, I now have more confidence while performing surgery.
2: Feedback from the workshop has been encouraging for all involved. The learning gained by participant surgeons will have a broad reach throughout South America but it's not only the students that celebrate what the workshop achieved. The feedback was
0: was very, very positive. And that is on top of a language challenge. And so uh, for me, I was absolutely thrilled in being able to take part in that and see the positive impact that surgical education had on uh, these, these, these surgeons who have experience in class who wanted to improve their, their skills. The importance is
4: the the, the possibility to, to teach uh, this complex surgery in in a in, in a situation very uh, uh, near to the reality in the space in the with the anatomy uh, with the uh, technical difficulties <laughs> yes yes this is the the most important thing for for the teacher uh, is is the, the experience is, is, is equivalent to, uh, to surgery in, in a patient. This is, the, the, this is, 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 this is an amazing uh, thing.
2: The cleft palate repair simulator has been piloted in over 20 countries, including several low and middle income country contexts. This technology is giving surgeons critical new opportunities to discuss, learn, and grow
3: we have a a lot of interest in south america many countries in south america obviously in the united states i um asia singapore europe all over europe a lot of countries in africa apparently it was used to help train one of the first cleft surgeons in haiti that was really cool to hear that you know i i think everyone we you know finds it unanimously valuable um And it just keeps growing. We get contacted daily now.
2: Clearly, cleft surgeons in low-income contexts and beyond are looking for this kind of opportunity, a lifelike model to practice their surgical skills combined with expert mentoring and coaching. But we can't forget the ultimate goal, that this learning leads to better outcomes for kids born with cleft so that they can experience full rehabilitation.
3: Yeah, that is the hope. The hope is that if someone really understands the anatomy, is really, really careful on how they perform the procedure, and if they learn that on a model as opposed to learning it on an actual patient, um, I think that is safer, you know. um, That's been proven time and time again in other surgical procedures. There's, There's so much abundant literature out there that, you know, In medicine and beyond that people who train in this way using a platform other than on a patient they're better prepared in the operating room and I just think that's only a good thing.
0: The opportunities for teaching though I think are paramount because when we visited uh, Santiago and we had the opportunity to engage with 12 really enthusiastic cleft surgeons and to give them the benefit of our experience um, there's a pinball effect because they 'll take that back to where they where they train and where they work and they 'll influence the people around them and all of a sudden there's a scatter that occurs in a very very profound way that uh, we're we're really um, happy to take advantage of so it's a privileged position to be able to teach and uh, to influence and it's something that uh, we should uh, certainly uh, continue to uh, to uh, enhance
3: I think the other thing that 's really apparent, especially when we did the initial study in, in and foundation grants, is that the simulator seems to be a vehicle that brings people together mm-hmm. in a very unique way. You know, uh, we've been running these workshops, which are pretty comprehensive, it combines didactic versus the simulator versus training videos. And it seems it was apparent to me that it really, it brings people together in new ways. And that's always good, right? when you get people with similar expertise, but do di- things differently together, where they can you know share ideas and um, come to consensus or whatever it is. But you know that's something that seems to be happening, especially with the other meetings that we've been putting on. There's a huge momentum to provide safe
0: and reproducible surgery to children uh, who are in need of it and there's multiple aspects to this. There's the aspect of education, there's the aspect of care, but what is also very important is the aspect of looking at the impact
2: that we make on these children's lives. When a family learns that their child has been born with a cleft palate, the reassurance that surgery can correct this anomaly is a huge relief. Effective surgery is also a critical building block towards a child's ability to communicate clearly among other things. With so much riding on a single surgery, innovative solutions like the simulator workshop in Chile provide low-risk opportunities for surgeons in low-income contexts to hone their craft. The collaboration between professionals in the Global North and Global South, accompanied by this innovative training technique, is an important expression of how we care for cleft.
1: The Simulator is a commercial product sold by a company called Simulare Medical. Dr. Podolsky is the founder and a shareholder of that company. Dr. Forrest is a non-paid consultant member of the Scientific Advisory Board. Caring for Cleft is brought to you by the team at Transforming Faces. It is produced by Megan Gilbert with help from Hugh Brewster, Becca Sawyer, and Kari Siebritz. Special thanks to today's guests. Dr. Christopher Forrest, Dr. Dale Podolski, Dr. Carlos Giuliano, and Dr. Veronica Coller farfait For more information, please visit us at transformingfaces.org.